No, I, my wife said, Bill, I kind of admire you on this meeting going down to Texas where all that nice weather is. And a while ago, I called her. I said, how cold is it? She said, it's not very cold. It's just about zero. But what y'all doing down there? I said, just raining and sleeting as hard as you can. <laughs> I said, the summer must have went on west to take a vacation. <laughs> it sure left the... The lower part of Texas hasn't. I see we've got a slick, rainy ride tomorrow. And uh, so we uh, solicit your prayer. And uh, I didn't expect to be anybody out. I thought all Texans are afraid of bad weather, but I see some of them are not. <laughs> so we are happy that you're here tonight and happy that we had this. You showed us this great, fine meeting. One of the nicest meetings we've had in years. Your fine spirit and cooperation. I want to thank these pastors, each and every one of you, for your fine cooperation. I didn't get to eat dinner with you, just had a breakfast with you all, but I'd like to go over and see how your wife can cook grits and biscuits. And oh, my imagine be fine. Be damned. I appreciate our little organist here. It's been so sweet helping us. All you people, and they tell me that they give a love offering in the, for, for me. All the expenses are made, brother? Yes, sir. If it isn't, turn it right in on that, see? Yes, and if everything's all right and there's no particular need of it, I'll put it in the work of the Lord as I travel on. May God ever bless you. And I believe it's said in the Scripture, in so much as you have done unto the least, my little ones, you have did it to me, so I am that least one, so you have did it unto him. You did. I know it's a portion of your living you're sharing with me for the gospel. I pray that God will so richly bless you, and when life is finished here at the other side, you'll be rewarded, if not your hundredfold here and eternal life on the other side. Your faith has been tremendous. How you have got together in Press your faith on. Land in your faith. If it wasn't for that faith, the meeting would have not have been what it is. But it's because that you have believed and believed with me. And I, I appreciate it. I told my brethren and told the friends that called me up from different parts of the country that it was tremendous how the, the people here in Beaumont had certainly put their faith and prayer behind the meeting and helped. There's no doubt what everything, when it makes a little, a little history or does something unusual, you have the pro and con of it. You have the, the good and the bad. You have to have the night to enjoy the day. You have to have bad weather to enjoy good weather. That's the way life is. You have to have bad people to make the good people show up. And so you have to have a false to make a real. I'm not saying this because I was asked to say it. I'm saying it because it's out of my heart. And I want to say to you, all you people, you uh, churches, I wouldn't want you to think that I was uh, a person that tried to disagree with all churches and they're all wrong and I'm the one's right. If I left that impression, forgive me, I didn't mean it like that. But I meant to say that 
There's not an organization in the world, I don't believe, of Christian religion, but what's got good people in it, and they've got God's people in it. I do not agree with organization, uh, because if the organization—now listen close—if the organization say, we believe this with a comma, all right, but if we believe this, period, that's all wrong. If you end your doctrine with a comma, we believe this plus as much as God wants to add to it. But when you say we believe this, period, and that's all, then you shut God right out of it. Right. And that's what organizations do. They end it with a, with a period. Now, such things taking place. One of our brethren, because that he had prayed for years, and he had prayed for me to come here. Now, I want to tell you how the Lord works. I had a great stacks of invitations worldwide. I put all my American revivals together and then the foreign overseas the first of every year. I start Christmas week and we pray for it the week through because we're usually home then. And, uh, and so we pray for it. And immediately my mind was attracted to Texas, Houston, uh, not Houston, but Beaumont. And then in, I said, you got anything from Beaumont? Secretary brought out invitations, several of them. And I said, let's see. And I just picked up one like that, laid it, picked out one, and I seen this little pastor's name. I said, contact him. Just contact brother. And then the brother with good intention, with no ill feelings, and if some of the state men are here, presbyters or whatever it is, brethren, don't do something evil. Should be sorry of later. Say, be a Christian, be a gentleman. The little brother meant no harm. He was only trying to follow out and was thankful for a prayer being answered. All but just being thankful for God answering his prayer. He didn't mean to be evil, and he I don't think he is. He's a good brother. Fine, sweet brother. And then when his good brother, one of the he belongs to UPC, which is called, among the people, oneness. And uh, some of the Trinitarian-believing brethren come in. His heart's hungry for fellowship. And when his Trinitarian brother came, what was it nothing to do but put an arm around him? Now, brother, if you excommunicate a man from your assembly for such as that, God have mercy on your assembly. When I get to a place or any organization that can't reach its arms out and get a brother from anywhere, God be merciful to you. Assembly brethren, you Church of God, Foursquare, and all of you, I'm sure you can appreciate a stand that a gallant brother would take like that. I'm sure that you Assembly brother appreciate that. You Foursquare, Church of God, and Trinitarian believing brethren. This brother reached out his heart. He didn't have the heart to say stay away because he loves you. Now, while he's in his heart when he's down, having to grind hard, he's relied upon that all the time. If anything should happen, and the brethren should put him out of the organization because he fellowship with you, remember that. Have fellowship one with another, and forget your little differences, and be brothers one with another, and strengthen him, lend him a hand, pat him on the back, and come on, brother, we're right together. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. You'll find out one thing, brother. 
Criticism will only get you in trouble. That's right. Don't never down anybody. Lift them up. We're tell a little story about this. It just comes on my mind. There's not many here tonight, so we got a good time to speak. We'll pray for the sick. Give my little farewell message to you. And I would like to say that here some time ago I was in Ohio. We were having a great meeting. Been about four or five years ago, maybe six. And the meeting got so heavy till I had to move out into the country. The little motel I stayed in, so many was around their hotel or other. I moved out into the country. I've been fasting for something special to happen, as something that would win the hearts of the people. You know, sometimes when we are praying for others, we're the one who gets the help many times when you're praying for others. Like at nighttime, when I say, put your hands on one another, don't pray for yourself, but pray for the other fellow, he's praying for you. The Bible said, confess your faults one to another and pray one for the other. That's the way we want to do it. That the Baptists pray for the Methodists, and the Methodists pray for the Baptists, and the Oneness pray for the Twoness, the Twoness pray for the Twoness and Threeness, and Fourness, and whatever more comes along. Everybody pray one for another. Amen. That our faith won't fail, and that one glorious one that we all love, Jesus Christ. Yes. Now, so I moved out into the country, about three miles out of the city, and um, so. We were been having dinner over at a little Dunkard restaurant where the, I believe the Mennonite. And um, they were a fine bunch of people that believes in holiness. And them little ladies dressed just as nicely and godly with their little, their clothes hanging nice on them and long hair and clean as a pin. I just loved it there. And they were attending my meeting. And uh, we just had a wonderful time. So on Sunday, they closed the little place up. It was at the meeting. And especially on Sunday, they didn't run it. So I've been fasting for about two or three days, and I was just going to preach that afternoon. I thought, well, it seems like you never want to fast until you're led to fast. Then if you get hungry, it's time to eat. Afterwards, Jesus was afterwards in hunger. Some of this thing is people fasting and say, I'm going to fast 40 days, and the false teeth falling out and losing weight and my, you better stop that. That's right. You wait till God leads you to do that on those things. Be led of the Spirit. I've had people, after a certain book was wrote and put out about fasting, people come to my line, women, pregnant, and things like that, come in my mind, lose your, lose your mind. Cut go to the insane institution from that. See, of course, you can't do that. Just because somebody else does it, that's no science. You're supposed to do it. That's right. Let God lead you to do what you're doing. You're led to when you get hungry, it's time to eat. When God puts a fast on you, you don't get hungry. God didn't eat. Right. Jesus was afterwards in hunger. See, after his fast was over, he hungered. But so, however, this, uh, let that, that, you just judge that by yourself. I'm, your pastor's a more apt, better position to tell you those things. If I said wrong or forgive me. But however, I've been fasting for a couple of days or three which is about as long as I can ever fast, because I'm on the move so much. So then uh, I thought, well, I'm just going to preach this afternoon, so I'll just um, uh, I'll go over and get me a sandwich. And I thought, uh-oh, they're cold. Uh, over across the way was a, just a regular little old common American restaurant, typical. 
Well, I just slipped over there while they were down making the preliminaries. I thought, I'll just get me a hamburger and that'll kind of press out the wrinkles so I can, uh, tonight I'll eat after service. So then I got my, went over to get a hamburger and I walked in the place. And when I walked in the place, the very atmosphere, you could tell you wasn't amongst them believers. Over to the left was some slot machines and a policeman standing there with about my age with his arm around a woman playing a slot machine. Now, gambling is illegal in Ohio. And there he was playing a slot machine, a man that was supposed to uphold the law, breaking the law. And a man that was supposed to be a, a set of example of morals and things, and with his arm around a woman where he ought not to have it, and a man my age, well, he, I guess he was married and had a family. I don't know. Then I thought, my goodness. I looked back and there was a table, a bunch of these boys and motorcycle guys with that duck-looking haircut and motorcycle jackets and overhauls pulled down on their hips or something. And he, he had a real good old-fashioned southern daddy with a, a hickory with the Ten Commandments on the end of it. That's exactly what I mean. You folks, what's happened to the American people? You know what? They call juvenile delinquency. I think it's parent delinquency. That's, that's exactly right. Bear the rod, you spoil your son. That's what Scripture says. And there they were sitting back there, and a young lady, pretty young girl, and one boy standing there, kind of a leader of the pack, with his boots set up on the table, uh, and uh, his arm around that young lady, where it was in very ungodly around her hips like that, and hugging this waitress up to his arm. Well, I stood there, I thought, my goodness. I looked over on this side, and there stood an old grandma, about as old as my grandmother, and she, poor old thing, had on these uh, tights or shorts there, what you call it, and she, her poor old arms, flabby flesh, and she had her toenails painted the same color of her lips. And a great big black spots under her, her eyes, where she painted some kind of stuff, and her hair was colored blue. Now you know human beings don't hardly have that greenish-looking blue. So I thought, well, poor old thing, maybe that's all right. But I looked, and she was with two old guys, and they were drunk. And one of them, right there in the summertime, had a big old army overcoat on with a big scarf wrapped around his neck. <laughs> And they had beer sitting on the table. I thought, oh, I wouldn't eat in here for nothing. So I thought, God, how can you, being holy, look at such a thing? I thought, is my little Sarah and Rebecca going to have to come up under such stuff as that as an American? My two little girls that I'm trying to raise for God, to be missionaries or pianists or something, maybe marry a little preacher that will help him in the work of the Lord. Try to raise them clean and righteous girls, make real women, and they have to come up under such atmospheres as that. I said, Father, with the spirit that I got, that you give me, my spirit being sanctified by your blood of your Son, and that was evil to me, how can you stand to look at it? Why don't you just smite the thing and swipe it off the earth? My righteous indignation might arose. We don't want to say it was temper, but it was just something as a 
the same kind of indignation Jesus had when he looked upon him with anger and beat him out of the temple, you see. And um, so I looked around, and I seen all that, and I thought, and my little Sarah Rebecca's going to have to come up under such. God looks like, if you're holy, and how great you are, look like you just blow the thing off the mat like that. How could you stand it? I thought, oh my, and I felt something, what? Like a whipping. That's the way that light, when it comes up, it's whipping like a fire. And I noticed it was standing close to me. I stepped back behind the door. I put my head against the wall and I said, Heavenly Father, what? I thought, now here's what I was thinking. Do you want me to call down judgment? That's a short high of human being to get so far away. I stepped back. I thought he was going to ask me to just go out there and say, All of you, I rebuke you, everyone, you sinners. Repent or die. See? And I thought that's what he'd tell me to do. I wouldn't do it unless he told me. So I, I went out, went back there, and I thought he was going to show me. And when I did, I see look like when I opened my eyes after I know he was in, behind the door there with me. And it looked like uh, something turning. I began to look at it. It was a world, this earth. And all around it was a mist, like a red mist blowing all around. I looked far up above there, and I seen him. Then I looked down, and I saw myself. looked like I'd come right onto the earth. And everything that I would do was mean. My sin would start up to meet God, and before it could get to him, Jesus act like a bumper on a car between me and God. See? It hit him and he'd hold his side. The tears would run out of his eyes. And I hear him say, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. I watch myself as a little boy, the things that I've done. And I see every time I do something evil, why, well, look like it was start up and God would have killed me for it. And I, because he's holy, sin cannot stand in his presence. But I seen that mist blowing around, and it, that blood of Jesus act like a bumper between me and being slain by God. Well, I looked, got up close to where he was at, and I looked, and there I laid my book laying out before him. And on there was my name, and every bad thing that I'd ever done was wrote right on it. And I noticed every time that I'd do something wrong, be it, I'd done it, it, it catching it, it hurting it. Catch his breath like and tears would run down his cheeks and he'd say, Forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. I thought, Lord, did I make you suffer like that? Oh, I love you. Would I make you suffer like that? You mean my sins did that? He nodded his head to me and I could see that. Look like you see him in the picture of that crown on him like that. Blood in his eyes and face. He looked at me and looked like tears all matted his beard together, blood stains all over his face. I said, did my sins do that to you? He nodded his head to me. I said, God forgive me. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to hurt you like that, Lord. I love you with all my heart. He took his side, patted it with his hand, took his finger like this, and wrote on my old dirty book, Pardon. Tuck it and throw it over behind him like this into the sea of forgetfulness. Laid out a new book. I said, Lord, I thank you. I, I'll never try to do anything wrong. You, He said, now, I freely forgave you. I freely forgave you. And then you want to destroy her. And when that time, 
the door had come back and I was looking right at the woman sitting there. I wanted to destroy her after I was free to forgive. I just pulled the door back together where I'd been moving my arms while the vision was on. I pulled the door back up and said, Father, forgive me. I, I'll go right to her and I'll apologize. I stepped out the door. One of those old man drunks sitting there with her said, You think the rain will hurt the rhubarb? And got up and excused himself and walked out to the restroom. I kind of strolled over that way and this policeman still playing the slot machine. I walked over kind of where she was at. I said, how do you do? Poor old thing looked up and said, oh, hello. And I said, could I sit down? She said, thank you, I have company. I said, I didn't mean it like that. I said, I just want to say a word to you. I want you to ask you, I want to ask you to forgive me. She said, what'd you ever do to me? I said, will you wait just a minute and let me tell you? She said, yes. I said, I stood in the door and I told her the story. I said, right back behind there, he showed me where I was wrong. She looked up and looked like a sober. She looked up, she said, are you Brother Brandon? I said, I am. She said, you're that minister down here? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'm ashamed you see me like this. And I said, will you forgive me? She said, certainly. She said, sit down. I said, thank you. And I sat down at the little booth with her and she said, I want to tell you something, Brother Branham. She said, I passed by and seen your meeting. I seen it advertised and I went in. She said, I'm simply ashamed of myself. She said, what would you believe if I told you that my father was a Methodist minister? So I got two daughters, both of them are Sunday school teachers. I said, what happened? She told me about a, a letter from her husband and he ran off with another woman. She started in drinking and started off. And she said, I know I'm, I'm past redemption, strictly a legalist, you see, and I said, that I'm past redemption. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. She started crying. She said, Brother Bram, you think I'm not past redemption? I said, why did you say that to me then a few minutes ago? I took her by the hand, held down there on the floor, and there she gave her life to Jesus Christ. You talk about slot machine stopping and everything else, everybody there was crying and praying. She got up. Went out to go home. A new life. See, God showed me that my own heart wasn't right because I was trying to condemn her and not looking at what I come from, too. So if we can always remember, look back to the pit where we was hewed from. Things will look a lot different. We don't want to condemn no one. Love everybody. Whenever you lose that real, genuine love that's in your heart, You've lost everything. Just don't never forget that. That when you lose love, it's all gone. Now, remember that. The love this little brother had for all of you. And remember the love of the brethren here. Brethren, whatever you do, I'm not saying all you organizations break up and make one organization. It'll never be that way. You'll never do it. You'll just go through life just the same old thing, banging and fussing and stewing. That's all. Amen. Keep your organization. Say it if you can. That's all right. But reach out of honor and love everybody else and have respect. Give him a little blanket, too, because he wants to get covered all over. It's best for enough for all of us. Room, room. There's plenty of room. There's room at the top and for you. There's room for all.
just remember that. If I could see every Pentecostal church, the four square, open Bible standard, Pentecostal assemblies of God, United Pentecostal Church, and all the rest of them, put their arms around one another and forget their differences, just fellowship one with another, I said, Let thy servant depart in peace from my eyes that see thy salvation in the church. And as long as Satan's got you shooting at one another, he just steps back and takes the vacation. He don't have to rule it off. See, you see. I pray that I live to see the day. And if you don't do it within yourself, some kind of a persecution will hit this nation one of these days. You'll long for one another then. Brothers, the light precious faith. So why go through the punishment when we have a little piece of heaven on earth right now? God be with you. I want to come back. I heard you ask and said, for me, want me to come back? I'll come back someday, the Lord willing. I'd like to bring a tent and set it up out here somewhere and right in between the cities around here and let us all come together and have fellowship one with another. Try to build up the churches. Every one of you has got something to do now. Every one of you get back to your church and work just as hard as you can for your local church. See? But don't never criticize. If you know something bad about the other side, don't say nothing about it. Keep that to yourself. The enemy, just listen to hear that. See? Don't let him know nothing. Don't speak nothing out and he won't know nothing about it. See? Keep it to yourself and pray. Say, well, a poor brother did wrong, but don't down him. He's down anyhow. Try to pick him up. See? Lift him up. Be the good Samaritan. See? Try to pick him up. You can't even talk to him. Pray for him until it is that way. Just keep him on your heart, cause his soul's worth 10,000 worlds. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we want to bow to give thanks to you for this great people down here, your servants, I thank you for Brother King, Brother Petty, for all the rest of them, Lord, these fine brothers, these wonderful sisters, their churches, their, their members. And for those great people in the cities and the business places, how they've been so nice. We thank you for this auditorium, for this, this uh, people that let us have. God, have they always stowed their doors open everywhere for me when rains and storms and tanks. God, may they live to the coming of the Lord. Grant it. Bless the custodians, all the members of the lodge, all. May they all find rest and peace in Christ. Grant Bless these fine policemen that's been watching the yards out here. That little fellow the other night that come out and looked over at me and said that wonderful compliment. Father, I was almost out then, just dropping out from the anointing to being I didn't have a chance to say much to him. If that boy isn't saved, and how he compliments he said about the meeting, I pray God that he'll receive the Holy Ghost. Grant him. Be in glory. If I never see him on earth again, may I be able to shake his hand. A man like that would make uh, any city a good police. This little fellow I talked to at the door just a while ago. God bless that man. We just thank you for everything, Lord. You're so good to us. We pray now that you'll continue to bless us as we travel on towards the West Coast. I pray that you'll bless Brother 
king now, and we talk of the troubles, and we pray that you'll be with him and all the other brothers. And God, the only one thing I can do is a human being couldn't do it, but may your Holy Spirit constantly bind these hearts together of these people until they are one in Christ Jesus, grandfather. Give us the great service tonight. Many of them have come over slick roads and, and out in this rain and storm to get here tonight to hear the closing service. I pray that you will bless them. May there not be a feeble person in our midst tonight. I ask that, Father, for your glory. May the power of the Holy Ghost come in tonight and give the exceeding abundance above all that we could even do or think. Further, we wait on you. In Jesus' name, speak to us. Amen. All the little parcels in here, we can pick them up as soon as we are. Uh, I pray over them. I want to wait till the anointing of the uh, Holy Spirit comes upon me to pray for the sick. Now, over in um, the book of Jeremiah, the twenty-second verse: Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no position there? Why, then, is the health of the daughter of my people not recovered? I want to take the subject in closing tonight of asking the question, as God did, why? Now, I hope we won't be long, twenty, thirty minutes, and then we can pray for the sick. Why? If God makes a preparation or a place of escape, and then the people fail to walk in it, God's got a right to ask why. Do you believe that? He's got a right to ask why. If uh, you're not condemned because uh, you are a sinner, you're condemned because you don't accept Jesus as your Savior. Now, God would be unjust to condemn you and not make a prep preparation for you to come out of it, because you were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies. No matter who your parents was or what they were, you're still just a sinner as any other child. When you're born in this world, we're all born in sin. We could not save ourselves. We could no more save ourselves than we could take our bootstraps and lift ourselves over the moon. We could not do it. We're totally helpless. And therefore, God would not condemn you on those bases because you are a sinner. He would condemn you because you refuse to take the way of escape. So therefore, it isn't God, it's yourself. You condemn yourself. And when you condemn yourself, there's nobody to pity but yourself. That's all. We're, you, you must pity yourself because you haven't accepted God's provided way of escape. Now, when God makes these ways, just wonder why He feels. When He makes a way for us, for our healing, for our salvation, for our comfort, for our peace, and all these things, and we just walk away and leave them. Must make you feel terribly bad. So, one time in the Bible, over in the book of Second Kings, 
there was uh, a king who was a king of, uh, of Judah, and he, uh, his name was Ahaz, and he was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. He succeeded his father Ahab to the throne. After Ahab, that borderline believer, renegade to the gospel, lukewarm church member, went over and married a pagan girl to strengthen his kingdom, brought in idolatry into Israel, and oh, what a horrible thing he done. And then his little pagan wife took the life of precious Naboth in order that the king could take his inheritance. And that prophet prophesied what would happen to him and what would happen to her. The dogs would eat her in the street and would lick the blood of Ahab off of his chariot, and that's just exactly what happened. I can think of the time when Jehoshaphat, a man of God, when he really should have have not associated in the wrong company. A believer hasn't got any fellowship with unbelievers. A crow and a dove cannot talk together. A crow eat on an old dead carcass. A dove is one bird without a gall. If it eat that dead carcass, it'd kill it. It's a special built bird, a, a dove. A dove only eats grain. He has no gall. He could not digest it. So is the Christian. Has no gall of bitterness in him. They cannot eat the things of the world. A crow can eat the things wheat, and he can also eat carcass. He's a hypocrite. And a dove, I want to tell you something. A dove does not have to find water for a bath. Did you ever pick up a little dove? Rub your hand over him. He's oily. There's something from the inside comes out and keeps him clean. Oh, his body is oil from oil from the inside coming out. Amen. I don't want to get started on that and get on the subject. But he keeps his body, his feathers, his garments clean by inside oil. Every time he works his body, that works up and down his feathers and keeps him. Per- Perpetually, all the time clean. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ sanctifies the believer day and night. And Ahab went out and had some fellowship with Jehoshaphat, or Jehoshaphat Ahab, and he, whenever you see some of the unbelieving world, would you come out to our little card party, dear? Be careful. Well, you know, you work here and your boss wants you. We're just going to have a few little social things tonight. Stay away from it. Amen. Get away from it. That's right. Well, it's Christmas. you got a right to have a little clean fun. Don't you believe that? That's right. Stay away from it. Shun the very appearance of evil. Amen. Stay out of it. But Jehoshaphat weakened and went on to see Ahab, and Ahab had a purpose. He said, well, we got some land up here that belongs to us. He showed him all the great things, and that's the way the devil does show you all the great things that he's got. See? All what he's got. Well, the glitter of the gold kind of brightened his eyes up, you know, and he thought, my, it didn't brighten him up, it dulled him up. And so finally they set out there and he said, well, we go up to Ramoth Gilead or Shalai, poor draw, 
He said, we ought to consult the Lord about this. So Ahab said, oh, or Saul. Mm-hmm. We should do it. I've got the best ecclesiastical system there is in the country. He goes down to his seminary and draws out 400 prophets. That's right. Fine, dressed, and collars turned around. And, oh, they were wonderful, man. Every one of them, ecclesiastical, theologians, right to the dot. said, all right, gentlemen, you're well fed and taken care of, but this great thing, now I'll tell you what I want you to do. Prophesy unto me and tell me whether we should go to Ramoth Gilead. See how great my robes are and what a great bishop I am. And here's also Bishop so-and-so from up here at the other kingdom. We're going to join forces together. You know, we'll be united then. So we'll do great things, you know. So one of them even built himself a pair of horns and getting run through the audience and he's pushing all the Syrians back. All the country belongs to us. And so you're going to win by this. You know, there's something about a believer. If he ever was in contact with Christ, he just can't go for that kind of stuff. Amen. Yet old Jehoshaphat sitting up there, he said, isn't there just one more? <laughs> one more? Why, here's 400 of the highest educated, best men there is in the country. They're prophets. Why would we ask for one more? Each one of them has got a DLD, PhD, double LQSD. Why, there's mine. You couldn't ask for more degrees. Well, wow, they know the scripture inside out, backwards and forwards. Joshua said, but, you know, I got a little funny feeling. I wish we had just, ain't there just one more? Oh, he said, yes, but he's a holy roar. And his name's Micah, the son of Imlan, but said, I hate him. <laughs> oh. So Joshua thought, that, that sounds like a meal ticket. <laughs> so, uh... Don't let the king say so, but I like to hear what he said. So a runner went up there to the little shack where he's at, the little assembly somewhere up on the corner, you know, and he said, oh, Micah, you know what? You must, I've got to put a bug in here now, see. You say the same thing that they say. You say just like they say, because I tell you that uh, all 400 of them ecclesiastics are saying we should, we should do it this way, so... You must say the same thing. Micah said, as the Lord God lives, I'll just say what he puts in my mouth. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. So they brought me out. Ahab is having a raging spell. Get that holy roller among us down here to ruin our congregation as sure as the world. So then, first thing you know when he come up, he said, I'm warning you, he isn't going to say nothing but evil about me. Because I know he's always digging me about my women bobbing their hair and all these things. Oh, he's a holy ruler, right? Uh, he said, I'm going to stay right with the word. So, he said, Micah, shall I go up to Ramoth Gilead and take the thing that belongs to me, or shall I forbear? He said, give me tonight, let me see what the Lord will say. So after night passed, he come back and said, what do you say? They go on up. You want to? He said, how long will I adjure you? He knows there's something wrong with that. That you only tell me the truth. He said, go on up. He said, but I saw Israel like sheep scattered with no shepherd. <laughs> and he said, why? He was staying with the Word of God. He is saying the same thing the Word said. Because the Word of God was with the prophet. 
And the prophet Elijah said he couldn't prophesy good against the man who was evil as Ahab. So the prophet, the word had done, said that Ahab was going to be killed, Jezebel was going to be fed to the dogs, and so what can Micah say any different from what the word said? Right, he had to stay with the word. No matter how great it sounds and how big it sounds, watch the word. That's always true. And so there's this great state presbyter, bishop, and what it was, smacked him in the mouth and said, which way went the word of God out of me if it went to you? He said, you'll see someday. He said, I saw God sitting on the throne. All the host of heaven was around him. And he said, who can we get to go down and deceive Ahab to get him out there to make Elijah's prophecy come true? God watches over that, you know. He said, who can I get to go out there? And a lion spirit come up and down probably hell, come up and stood before him and said, I'll go down and get them preachers and make them everyone prophesy a lie. God's word's going to be fulfilled, brother. I don't care what takes place. John says, God's able these stones to rise children to Abraham. God's word. The son of that man had taken his throne after his death. One day walking out there, he had still hated them prophets. And he walked out there one day in his lattice and looking around, and he fell through the lattice and he got hurt. The Bible said he was sick. So he called some of his men and sent two of them, or a little company of soldiers, over to Akron, over to consult the prophets of Balaam whether he was to get well or not. So you know God makes his secrets known to his prophets. Amen. Is that right? Amen. So Elijah's down there in the mountain back in a cave, laying on a pile, pile of brush or something back there, coat laying over it. The Lord spoke to him, and he went up there and stood in the road. He said, go up there. Stand there because we're going up. Oh, are these soldiers passed around the corner. They looked coming, strolling down the road, coming old, fuzzy-looking preacher, beard all out over his face, and a big piece of leather wrapped around him. He wasn't very much to look at, but he had dust, says the Lord. That's the main thing. One's the classic. So he stopped him. He said, why are you going over there to Acorn? He said, go tell him. Why did he stand over there? Is it because there is no God in Israel? Is there no prophet here to consult? If he won't know something about it, why didn't he ask God? He's supposed to be the king here of Israel. So why didn't he ask God? Is it because we haven't got a God here? Is it because we haven't got no, uh, no uh, prophet down here? But because he's done this, go tell him, thus saith the Lord, he's not coming off of that bed. Oh, my. I wonder today. Why does man want to smoke cigarettes? Why does people want to stay home on Wednesday night and watch a television program instead of going to prayer meeting? Why is it we want to do that? Because there's no joy in the house of the Lord? What makes the person want to, to drink and run around and act like that? Is it because we don't have any God? Is it because there's no joy in the house of the Lord anymore? Is it because the Holy Spirit isn't ready to bless all of us? Is, it, is there anything wrong with it? But because that we do it, that's the reason we're cursed. 
That's the reason God put this thing upon the church, this cold and dampness. We're going to other places for pleasure instead of coming to the house of the Lord for pleasure. The house of the Lord is the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is the joy of his people. He wants you to come to church and worship him and be happy and satisfied, giving praise and honor and glory and wisdom and might and power to God. He wants you to do that. And now, you know when these messengers got back and so they found, went into this king and they said, a man sent us back and told us such and such a thing. He said, who was he? How was he dressed? said he was hairy all over and had a piece of leather around his loins. And he said, that was the Elijah, the prophet of God, the Tishbite. Oh my! He knew what was coming. It wasn't because they didn't have a God. It wasn't because they didn't have a prophet. But it was a, it was the king's own stupid ways. It was his own selfish and ungodly acts like his mom and papa. He hated that prophet. That's the reason today that judgment rests upon the world. It's not because we haven't got a God, not because we haven't got prophets. But it's because that the people hate the ways of the Lord and love the ways of the world. That's exactly right. It's just like a man, a patient, dying on a doctor's doorstep because he refuses to take his medicine. It's the same thing. He dies on the doctor's doorstep with enough medicine inside for his case, but he refuses to take it. That's not the doctor's fault. It's not the serum's fault. It's the man's fault because he won't take the serum. That's all. And that's a dangerous thing. It certainly is. You can't say the doctor was the cause of it. And you're right on his doorstep, won't take his medicine, and yet he's got something. Now you say you believe in taking medicine? I believe in anything that helps the human race is godly. Certainly it is. Exactly it is. Tell me why we had any, what will we do today about these clinics and hospitals and so forth? Right. Certainly, I know there's some shut behind the door when I first started off, but where did it all go to? See? you got to look at anything sensible. Anything, if, if medicine, hospitals are not a God or antichrist, burn them down and get them out of the country. That's right. Sure. Amen. But it's something to help you. Certainly. But they ain't a one of them can heal you. He ain't a medicine in the world. No doctor. If he is, he's a quack. He ain't a real doctor. If a doctor tells you they got a medicine that'll heal you, he don't know what he's talking about. Amen. Male brother says there's not a medicine in the world to heal you. Said there's only one healer. That's God. We only claim it's this nature. As I told you, if I cut my hand, fell dead right here. All the the medicine in the country couldn't heal that knife cut. You say no, you're dead. Well, let him just embalm my body and look natural for 50 years again and put a shot of penicillin in me every day and everything else and it'd never get any better. Put salve on it, sew it up and give me all, it wouldn't do it. If it's made to heal the body, why don't I heal it? There it lays. You say the life has gone out. That's right. Now what's life? I tell you God is. That's exactly right. God is the healer. A doctor can set a bone, but he can't heal it. What if I was cranking my car or broke my arm and went and said, hey doctor, heal my arm right quick so I can go out and crank my car. Can't get things started. He'd say, you need mental healing. That's right. He might set it, but he can't heal it. That's right. 
He can take a tooth out, but he can't heal a socket to come out of it. He can cut a pendic out of your side, but he can't heal a face you cut. Because there's no medicines that'll build cells, multiply cells. And before you can heal anything, it has to be a multiplication of cells. So God's the only healer. You can't make God's word wrong. Psalms 103, 3 said, I'm the Lord, he's all that is healed. I've been interviewed at Mayo Brothers in many places, and they say that. We're not healers. We don't claim to be healers. We only assist nature. There's one healer, that's God. So God is the healer. Someone said to me now, I'm going to say, all right, Brother Brand, we're going to ask you a question then. So what about penicillin for flu? I said, well, my, my, I hope you ain't that weak. I said, look, what if you got a house full of rats eating holes all through the roof and everything and down everywhere there's a lot? You put out a lot of rat poison and poison the rats. It kills all the rats. That don't pass the hole. Penicillin only kills the germ, the flu germ. It doesn't build up the tissue it's tore down. It just poisons the rats. That's all. God has to pass the holes. That's all. He's the one that heals all of our diseases. Yes, sir. I thank God for every serum that they got. For the salt vaccine, pray constantly that God will give us something for cancer, for poor suffering people. Anything can do to help, I'm for Yes, sir, I'm 100% for And if we Christian people pray more for such things as that, we'd be better off, the whole country would. Yes, great man, to give their lives, just trying to fight back at those things that cripple children and everything, certainly. I certainly, I certainly thank God for everything He's done for us. I thank God for an automobile. I thank God for soap to wash my hands with and all the mechanics. All those things. I thank God for them. Certainly. There's one time we didn't have soap, you know. There's one time we didn't have an automobile. If I don't want to walk for a beast, I could take off, but I thank God for an automobile. I get in and trust Him right down the road as far as I can go. See? So we thank the Lord for those things. All things that's good to help us comes from God, certainly. But now, while the patient's sitting out on the doctor's steps and just refuses to take his medicine, and if the patient dies, it ain't the medicine's fault. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Then why is the health of my daughter and my people not recovered? Is there something wrong? It's the same thing in the church. Men and women sit in the church and die in their sins because they refuse God's bomb. That's right. That's not because there's no bomb here. The Holy Spirit's here. We got plenty of doctors, <laughs> physicians. So the people die in their sins. Don't lay it on to God. There's a bomb in Gilead and there's physicians there. But it's the people's attitude towards it. Now, if you... Uh, you take like medicine. It's a horrible thing if uh, you would uh, refuse medicine. How much more horrible is it if you refuse God's bomb for your soul? Refuse that toxin, then what's going to take place? You're lost forever if you refuse that. Oh, you, your body might pass around. And then another thing, you can take medicine. What's good for one or help one will kill another. Penicillin almost kills a third of what it helps. It'll kill some and help the others. It's a very dangerous thing. And what will help one will help them, but you don't have to worry about God toxin. It helps whosoever will let him come. Yes, sir. It's for all. You don't have to worry about it. No danger of fooling with it. 
You go to fooling with it, and you say, well, I'll tell you, Brother Bram, uh, uh, I don't believe it's for me. Like people say today, I just can't keep from smoking. I just can't keep from running out. man told me not long ago, he said, I, I got a good wife, but Brother Bram, I wish wasn't made for one woman. said, I, I got to run with other women. I said, you know what's the matter with you? You just refuse the remedy. <laughs> That's all. That's what you matter to people today. Read your drink, smoke, lie, steal, and fuss and carry on. You refuse God's bomb of love that draws us together and makes us one. Not because there's not enough power of God here to send a revival to the city. We just refuse to use it. That's all. Yeah. Amen. Oh. It's, it's, it's here. But if you die in your sins, your unbelief, it's not God's fault, not the Holy Ghost's fault, not church's fault, just because people refuse it. They say heart trouble is number one killer. No, no. Sin trouble is number one killer. Number one killer. It's gotten into our Pentecostal groups. A man was talking to me today about the Pentecostal people, and he said, you know what, Brother Bram? It's getting to be just like it. I don't know why. I said, you know, a lot of our people, they have their children, they bring them out in, put them on the cradle, roll, they come up, and that's the way they just expect it to be that way. As David, if this is once said about such a thing as that, why, you can't get in like that. That's what, that's what made the Methodists what they are. That's what made the Baptists what they were. They just kept bringing the children in, put them on the cradle, roll, and bring them up. God don't have any grandsons. He just has sons. Sons and daughters, not grandsons and granddaughters. God don't have grandchildren. Yeah, God, God ain't grandpa, he's father. Amen. Amen. I hope I don't hurt your feelings, but I hope I ain't scare you. But anyhow, God don't have grandchildren. Amen. And you just cause you were Pentecostal, your papa and mama paid the price. That don't make you Pentecostal, but you pay the same price to get the same thing there. There's plenty of it left. There's plenty of bomb in Gilead yet. Plenty of toxin there for sin, unbelief. Yes, sir. All Pentecostal brethren raising up sin, denying divine healing and such things as that. It's just because you refuse a toxin. You grandson, not a son of God. A son of God is born of the Spirit of God. He's God's child, but God don't have any grandchildren. That's it. Right. You know what's the matter? They're afraid of the new birth. That's always the matter. Let me tell you something, brother. I don't care what kind of a birth it is. Any birth is a mess. If it's in the pink pen, or if it's in the stable, or if it's in a pink decorated hospital room, any birth is a mess. And the new birth is the same. It'll make you get on a squall and ball and do things that you never thought you'd do before. It might mess up your theology. Might mess up your card parties. It might mess up your swimming and dancing and stroller skating. Fall to the ground and rock. Yeah. Messy. Get dirty with it. Oh, 
That's right. Just dial. Get down there and the woman said to me one time, said, oh, I'd be ashamed. Them people down there said, I couldn't hear you even preach. Said, well, oh, them women in there hollering, hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. I couldn't hear what you're saying. I said, if they didn't say it, it'd scare me to death. Yeah. <laughs> she said, when that woman got up back there and started crying, said, your shield run up my back. I said, if you'd ever get to heaven, you'd freeze to death. I said, they'll be screaming and crying and praising. What's the afraid of new birth? That's really you got a grandchildren in the church. Pray to new birth. Pray to the Holy Ghost. Pray to the power of God. Pray to, pray to make, wash some of the makeup off of you or something. That's what's the matter. God, send us the old time we Bring forth the Holy Ghost again. There's plenty of it. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physicians? There are surely physicians here. Plenty of bomb here, too. Then why is the daughter of my people not recovered? It's because the people refuse it. They refuse to come together. They refuse to have a revival. That's what's the matter. Selfishness and things take it over. There's plenty of bomb in Gilead. There's physicians here. But the people refuse it. That's what's the matter. There was a time when we didn't have toxin for typhoid fever. The time we didn't have toxin for uh, the, the salt vaccine and stuff like that. And uh, but now we got it. Yeah. That's exactly we got it now. Thank God for it. There was a time that our toxin uh, for salvation wasn't too good because it was lambs and things and goats. But now the toxin's been changed. Certainly. When, why do they find remedies for medicine? You know what to do? They study up. Put so much of, of this in and so much of this in, enough antidote to, to, to kill the poison and so much and see the case of the patient and how strong is. You never take medicine unless you ask a real doctor about it because it'll kill you. And so then, and, uh, so they, they find out and then the first thing you'll do is squirt it into a little guinea pig. If he survives it, then he'll give it to you. <laughs> And sometimes all human bodies are not made like guinea pigs, you know. That's the reason kills some human beings. That's right. You give the little guinea pig the test, and if that little fellow makes it, then they give it to you. Well, that's the way they test medicine. You know that's the truth. They find a certain thing and give it to the guinea pig, and if he survives it, then they give it to you. And that's the reason they kill a lot of patients, because that we're not all made like guinea pigs. But let me tell you something. When God tested his toxin, he never got a guinea pig. He took himself. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. God. When he was baptized there by John on the banks of the Jordan, the inoculation come down from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. They watched it, tip it a hole. When he spit in his face, it helped good. He reviled, he was reviled, not back. When he died at Calvary, he prayed for his enemies. It held at Calvary. It held in death. It held on earth. It held everywhere. They put him in the grave, and on Easter morning, it held again. Amen. Uh, not a guinea pig, but a son of God. He took it himself. Amen. Now, I'm not very excited. I'm getting to see where he lives. Took our sins and bore our sickness. Yes, he took the top seat on himself. Not only a guinea pig, prophet, or something or another, he put it on himself. 
our transgressive bruise for our iniquities. Cast down our peace upon him who with his stripes we are healed. It held in the hour of death. It held in the cross. It held in Gethsemane. Held in every temptation. Everything else is toxin hell. Amen. God was going to try eternal life. And he put it in the human body of his own son. Come in and dwelt in him. And the toxin hell. When he rose up on Easter morning, he broke the bands of death, hell, in the grave. And come forth. He appeared to the eleven and said, It needed a greater than because of heart is their heart. And their unbelief because they believe not them and seen him after he had risen from the dead. Amen. They go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. For I'm going to give him some toxin. <laughs> if I give him this toxin, the things that I do, they'll do also. I'm going to inoculate the whole church here, he said. Follow oh, these signs shall follow them to me. church with the same toxin that, can you be baptized, same toxin that I'm inoculated with? <laughs> that's what's the matter today. We took some old church creed for inoculation, that's the reason sin crept in. If we get that same spirit, it's up on him, that old that's same glory, that's same Holy Ghost. It'll inoculate us just the same as inoculated him. Take all fear out. Yes. Hallelujah. Stand in the face of the enemy and call God towards the truth. Amen. Give you a backbone like a saw. Take the wishbone out and put a real backbone in it. Yes, it will. Can you be baptized with inoculation that I'm inoculated with? Certainly held in his life. We spit in his face and say, you old trinity, you old one. No, no. Nothing that. No, no. He was inoculated with the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believed in him should not perish. He was inoculated. A little virgin-born body, the God of heaven dwelt in. He was inoculated with God. Eternal life was his inoculation. And it helped in the time of temptation. Help in a time of, of, of when everybody forsaken him. Yes. Help! Yes. It's safe good! They're an enemy in the face of death, and they wanted that same inoculation because after being dead and in the grave for three days and nights when all the heavens backed out, the earth took a nervous prostration and all the, the rocks rung out of the mountains, and everything witnessed he was dead and he was in the grave. And on Sunday morning, the inoculation helped because he said, I have power to lay my life down and power to raise it up again. This inoculation I have will lay the life down I'll pick it up again. Brother, that's what I want. I want to hold out my arm. You don't get it in the arm, you get it in the heart. Hold out for inoculation of the resurrection of the power of Jesus Christ. That's the inoculation. He never tried it with a creed. He's done it with his spirit. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physicians there? Oh, yeah. We got both bomb and physicians. Then why? That's God going to ask us why some of these days. Why? They want to get inoculated. So he said, I'll tell you what you do. You go up 
to the city of Jerusalem. And you climb up in that upper room and you stay there until your inoculation comes. <laughs> oh, brother. Say, until you're inoculated. Until the top scene comes down. The bomb comes down. And while we was all sitting together singing hymns in one accord, suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. It inoculated 120 out there. But, uh, what a running spell they had. Oh, my. Like branding a calf. I used to brand calves. Always felt sorry for a little fella. And I, I had to ride to bring the iron, and you Texans know what I'm talking about. And so they'd have him hog-tied and ran this old iron over there and slap it on him. I mean, you'd have a spasm. He'd kick and squall and carry on there for a long time, but brother, he know where he belonged from that on. He was brand new. That's right. There's something that will make you act like you don't have good sense, but you're branded. You know where you're at. You're brand new. Inoculated. 120. Got inoculated. Oh, they were having them a time, what I mean to say. They were really getting a great time. Come out of there, all inoculated, had eternal life, so that God had raised them up at the last days, and they were having a big time, and they were so full of glory. Many of them could speak in four, five, six, seven, eight, ten different languages, yes. but they couldn't even find one of them to use to praise him with, so they just got given a brand new language to praise him with. So they just started speaking in unknown tongues as the Spirit gave them up. Just have inoculated. That showed they had been inoculated. They were they were speaking of a kingdom where they'd born to. They were inoculated. Sin question was over. Peter wouldn't have to weep bitterly anymore. It was all over then. He was inoculated. Yes, sir. And you know what? Sometimes people got so hungry for some of that. You know what they did? They said, Man and brethren, what can we do? We got a doctor here? Yep. What is this? This is a bomb. Got a doctor here? Yes. His name is Dr. Simon Peter. All right, Peter, will you write us a prescription? Yes. I don't want to be writing this all the time. We're just going to write one for all the time. <laughs> I'll write your prescription. Now, listen, brother. You know what? If the prescription's wrote out right, don't you know take the one of these quack drug stores that put a little bit to it or add a little bit will take away from it. If you put anything different in it and mix that farmer, it'll kill your patient. Yeah. If you take too much of the antidote out and put too much antidote in, it won't do a bit of good. So just leave it the way it's wrong. He said, what kind of prescription? He said, repent every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this prescription is for your children and your children's children. Repent and get right with God. Take away all the things God promised that He'd give you the Holy Ghost. That's the prescription. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they take up serpents or things, they things in Here, there's plenty of inoculation. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen and amen. Oh, my. How, how glad I am. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Oh, mm. When I used to, oh, I was a game board and I passed through, it used to be a little old spring. It was the happiest spring I ever seen. It just bubble, bubble, bubble all the time. Summertime, wintertime. One day I sat down beside a little old spring and I said, uh, what's you so happy about? Of course, he couldn't answer me. And I thought, now if he could answer me, what would he say? I said, you're happy because deers drink from you? Nope. I said, why are you bubbling about because bears drink from you? Nope. You're bubbling because I drink from you? Nope. I said, what makes you bubbling all the time? If he could talk, he'd say, Brother Random, it ain't me bubbling, it's something behind me bubbling me, pushing me. And that's the way it is with a thorn again to come down. It's been inoculated by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not me that does the work, said Jesus. It's the Father that dwells in me. He's the one that does the work. It's not this, if somebody here that don't understand it, it's not these people bubbling, it's something down there bubbling them up. That's right. Grushers, guys, are spraying up. He told the woman at the well, water is to be of fountains of water, bursting up with the everlasting life. Hallelujah. Oh, no wonder the poet said it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yeah. Oh, I feel twice my size. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm home now. I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad that we have... Come out. Amen. Aren't you happy? Amen. Oh, my, what God could do is this little group right now. What he can do if he can ever get one person in his grip just so he can hold that one person. He can, he can put 10,000 to flight with that one person. If well, one person in genuine faith, he can put 10,000 devils running as hard as they can go. Amen. Amen. I am so glad, aren't you? We used to sing a little song when I first come into Pentecostal people and say, I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. <laughs> Certainly, he's all bound down to give you inoculation. <laughs> that did it. That's all it took. Amen. I love him. I
a place where I could realize that I was nothing. <laughs> and one day he picked me up, kissed me all my tears away, and said, You're mine now. Oh, that just broke my heart. I said, Lord, let me walk with the Lord in the light of his word. Let me stay day and night in the anointing of the Spirit. Just shame that we ever have to leave it, isn't it? It's just wonderful. Remember, friends, I love you. The night will get too dark and rain too fall, fall too thick, but while I do anything for you could, just remember I'm your brother. I love you with all my heart. Any prayer cards you have? Uh, anybody got prayer cards? Oh, I forgot. There's no need to call them one. <laughs> All right, we don't have to. God uses the same. You believe in our today? You believe that Jesus made a way through his blood, that he could put his serum into a believer, and that believer with that same serum in him? It'll do the same thing it did in the next man. It'll do there. Oh, he's wonderful, isn't he? The works that I do shall you also. All right, you people out there. If God will testify now, how many are sick? Let's see your hands. Want help from God? Just raise your hand. All right. Oh, isn't he? Isn't he just joy unspeakable? Now, let's just be as reverent as we can for a few minutes and just look to him now. Don't you just send showers of blessing? We shall have showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now the refreshing. Don't you like that? That refreshing. That life. Brother, sister, I want to tell you something. I want you to believe me as I speak in the name of the Lord and say, Thus says the Lord. There's only one thing can heal you, and that's God. Amen. And the only one route you can come to him by, that's by faith. Is that right? Right. Now, we don't always believe in laying on hands. Don't you believe that? But if you're there with me, you've always wondered. People say, Brother Bram, or Roberts prayed for 500 while you're praying for five. I know it. That's right. Or Roberts prays for him the way God told him to do. I pray the way God helped me to pray. So he, he, God, he obeys God, and I do too. But you see, or Roberts... And those brothers that are laying hands on, if you'll bear with it, that's a Jewish custom. It wasn't so with the Gentiles. Look at the, uh, the priest. He said, come lay your hand on my daughter, and she, she'll get up. She'll be all right. You'll come lay your hands on her. That's Jewish. Lay your hands on her. But when he comes to the Roman centurion, he said, I'm not worthy that you come under my house. Just speak the word. What did he recognize? That Jesus had power over all sickness. He said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a centurion. Uh, that's a hundred men. A century is a hundred men. I say to this one, go do this, and he does it. I say to this one, come, and he comes. So if he asks you, I'm over him. What did he say so much? I know that you're over every sickness, every disease. Just speak the word. That's all he had to do. What did Jesus say? He turned around and said, I never saw faith like this in Israel. Now, we want to have one of higher ground, don't we? Healing has already been done at Calvary. Now, if God will bring at least two to three people in this audience tonight that I don't know anything about, 
and will show that what I have preached to you is the truth. If you'll prove that I've told you the truth, now just shut yourself in just a moment. You say this, Lord Jesus, the man don't know me. Now there's about two or three people that I know out there. I know brother and sister Evan sitting here, and this is their two daughters sitting right here. And then Brother Stoffman, Brother Fred Stoffman there, is one of the trustees in my church in Jeffersonville. And I think Brother Simpson and his wife, and Brother and Sister Simpson sitting right next to them, they're back this way up east. Now, I just want to look at the audience just a moment. I want you to believe with all your heart. Oh, you don't know how that... I just felt it strike me just saying. See, I, I know it's going to happen. That's the all. God promised it. His promises is true. Would you believe it? Believe me as his servant. Wonderful. <laughs> I was asking the other day about standing in India, you know, where them houses up. I had to swear it was. You got it right in your hand. God, get it right over. I'll take every spirit of India under my own control for the glory of God. Oh, what could just happen now? See, we rejoice. That's the joy of God. That's the joy of our salvation. Is that right? You see, David never lost his salvation. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Yeah. He had his salvation, but he lost his joy. Well, we got plenty of joy. We know that. We have joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. God. But now, the thing, the power of God is something greater than joy. Power comes by settled faith. We can have a lot of joy, but maybe we wouldn't have no power in there to heal at all. But when we have, we have the power of God, then we got the faith of God that moves up. Take the hold of God and know how to touch it. I just be praying. I'm watching for you. If he should touch me, then I know it. Anybody here that ever was in one of the meetings? I see your hands. There was in one of the meetings before. One man, two men, three men, four, five. That's good. Six. Six people. Never was in it before. Now, I want to tell you something, brother. How did Jesus recognize, how did the world recognize Jesus as Messiah? Because that he could tell them who they were or what they were. Or when Simon Peter came up, this an old fisherman, he said, Thou art Simon. You're the son of Jonah. Peter believed him. When he come to, well, we just went all through the Bible. Last night we taken Zacchaeus up in the tree, blind Barnabas. When he touched him, turned around and told him. The woman at the well, she told her where her trouble was, and she said, "Come see a man who's told me the things I've done. Isn't this the very Messiah?" Amen. He never did it unto any of the Gentiles. It only went to the Jews and the Samaritans. So they're looking for a Messiah. Now they're. Long two thousand years of wandered in darkness, but now the Gentiles have had their days of training, and now they're sifting the church now. Come down to the end, just as it was there in four thousand years, and then there again. Now it's two thousand years. So if you just take a, a people, not a nation, just a people out of the Gentiles for His name's sake, they'll have His name. Name's sake, He takes the people from the Gentiles, but they've taken Israel by nation. 
but he's the same Christ. And he promised, as it was the days of Lot, the thing he did, he'll do it again. How many would like to believe that that angel of God, if that one that met Lot, met uh, Abraham, he never went down to Lot, he stayed with Abraham. You know, have you read the story now, man? Now, there's two of them went down to Lot, and one of them, they got them out. But this one never went out, and that was the one that was the Lord God, Elohim. And he had his back turned to the tent. First he looked to Abraham and asked Abraham where his wife was, Sarah. That she's in the tent behind him. He said, I'll visit you according to life, time of life, the 28 days again. She was 100 years old then. Right at 90. She's 90. Abraham was 100. He said, and she laughed. He said, why did she laugh? I said, that would repeat again. I just do it both ways. See if it's the same God. Now, may God of heaven, and look with this Bible. Let me say this, Christian. This Bible over my heart. Got a little unbelief slipping around. One came in last night, set up on the edge of the platform, heard the meeting. God will take care of that. Thought I didn't know it. <laughs> but you never think that, brother. Let me say this in the Bible over my heart. I do this not for a show. I do this because it's to fulfill what Jesus said would take place. When he come, he didn't have to heal. He did it that it might be fulfilled. Is that right? Yes. This don't have, you don't have to do this, but it might be fulfilled. Yes. He promised it. It's his word. And so he just permitted it because of the fulfilling of his word. God heal heart trouble. He did then, didn't he? It's all over now. Thank you. Glory to God. I never seen a woman in my life. But you see him now. Does that fulfill his word? Well, you say, Brother Branham, what does that fulfill? He's a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Is that right? Well, I thought you said he was El Elo Elohim. That's right. Well, you said he had his back turned and he found out what Sarah was doing correctly. Now, you say, are you him? No, sir. That's him all over this building. That's him and you. That's him and me. But he has to work through somebody. Is none of us worthy. We couldn't be worthy. We're sinners. But he just chose us. I believe we were at gifts and callings or without repentance. I believe that God chose us before the foundation of the world. His church. Do you believe that? Yes. The Bible says so. Right? Antichrist would deceive all upon the earth whose names were not written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world. Pray out in here somewhere. Pray to see. All brethren coming from you too, Pray with me. We'll see where that same angel is. Now just take your time, be reverent. We just take our time. 
got plenty of time. Just don't be in no hurry. Don't be pressing. Just sit still say, Lord God, that man's got his back turned to me, and I know he's just a man. So if, if he didn't know me, he'd have to be you telling him. That's all there is to it, because I'm just a stranger sitting in this meeting here. Yes, there's a woman appears to me right here now. I'm looking right at her. I want you, brother, to look here. Can't you see it? Look here, right at the edge of this cloth. You see it's red? Look here, that light. There's a woman sitting right in behind me. She's very upset. She has arthritis, and she has high blood pressure. She's bothered with an allergy, and, well, she's just got complications. Now, she just don't miss it when I turn. Her name is Miss Tom. Stand up, Miss Tom, receive your healing. How do you believe? Have faith in God, then. Abraham, where is your wife Sarah in the tent behind you? You see what I mean? What about some of the rest of her? Can it happen to you? Can it be a believer? This little woman sitting right here. She has lights above there. Look here. She looked up at me and she screamed. She's not praying for herself, for her son. What she's asking for your son, wasn't it, lady? You believe God can tell me what's his trouble? Will you accept the healing for him? Stomach trouble. That's right. Believe it. That's all. What about somebody over in this district? What do you all believe for? Do you believe with all your heart? Have faith. Just believe. How many over here sick and don't have a prayer card? It's just being a melting to you now. See, you won't prayer, but you haven't got a prayer card. Well, nobody's got a prayer card, of course. That's I mean, said there's one prayer card here somewhere, probably from a meeting or something. If everybody just had faith now, it's tough. If thou canst believe. Right here, look here at you here in front row. That hurting you believe God will make it well. Believe it with all your heart. You can have what you've asked for. What about you, mistress? Your head down here. Pass over the woman. Jump right straight in there with me. You're needed too, aren't you? You believe Christ can make you well? Got trouble with your eyes, with your ears. You're from Houston, Texas. Mr. West, go back and tell him that Houston Christ heals the sick. You believe with all your heart now? Had a nervous breakdown, have you, lady? 
You can Corpus Christi there. Believe with all your heart. God's a healer of all afflictions. You believe with all your heart? Put your hand up over there a while ago, mister, with that liver trouble and stomach trouble. Mr. Rainwater from over in Louisiana. First time he's ever leaving, I think you put your hand up. What do you think about it? Isn't he a wonderful healer? Go back and tell him over there what he can do for you. Sitting back there in the van. That little boy got a mental block, has he? It was caused from a doctor done something to him. Too much anesthetic. Give him a mental block. If I'll tell you who you are, will you put your hand on that boy for me? Miss Howe? Right? Put your hand on the boy. I'll condemn that devil. Satan, come out of him in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask for his healing. Do you believe? Does everybody believe? Are you ready? Now, if God 
will hear my prayer here, and he hears it anywhere. Now, you've prayed. You've made your confession, just like you were coming as a Christian. You're ready now. If you was a sinner, you're ready for baptism. Now, since you are a Christian, you've made your confession, and now you're ready for healing. Now, what does it take? Now, God's ready to give it to you. There's just one thing above you. That's a little thin shadow of doubt. Now, if we can break through that, just like a great airplane, they tell me these jet planes, if they just struggle and wiggle and struggle and wiggle till they get through that sound barrier, but as they run through the sound barrier, then they're free. Now, if you can just rise yourself above that little, little doubt barrier there, oh, brother, what will take place? You'll run free. You'll be healed. Now, I want you to be real reverent, hold your hands on one another, and keep shutting with Christ now, like nobody's around you but Him. And just imagine in your heart now you see Him come walking right down to you, standing right in front of you. Now, open your heart and let Him in while I pray and cast away this little shadow of darkness over you. And when it breaks, you're out of sound barrier then. Just rise and give him praise. Every time when you feel your soul pass through that unbelief, then you're free in Christ. Heavenly Father, thanking you for all that you have done, for the many healings, for the great power of God, for the many that's been saved, for the fellowship of the ministers, and above all things, the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. You have not failed us one time, but has told us the truth every time. Confirms your word with signs and wonders following. And now, Father, this little group has staggered out through this slick roads and rains tonight to come here to see Jesus. We've seen you. We've felt you. We know you're here. We've got your word in our hearts. They've confessed. They've openly, publicly confessed that they believe and have accepted you as their healer. Now their souls are struggling, Lord, to get through that little barrier there. That little thing out of shaking them. One of you could be me. One of them be lost. No, Lord. May the power of Jesus Christ raise them up right now. Break away that barrier. Satan, get back. You'll lose.